Hi, welcome to Story Guts. I, where the stories we, t where we talk about what the stories we tell tell about us. I'm Alice Lai. I'm Molly Curran. You almost got it that time. <laughs> I know. You, I just like saw your disapproving face, and I was like, <laughs> I'm forgetting several components of this. Well, you don't. You don't have to go for it. I can do it. It's true. I feel like I just feel so much pressure at the very beginning no i think you know you can just start say the name of the show say your name i'll say my name i'll explain the premise it's uh -huh. fine yeah uh, anyway <laughs> anyway spring has sprung uh we're officially in the may showers part of the year i think it's supposed to be april showers but it definitely is oh, may showers here you're right may flowers well we've um, also got flowers so we're just getting in both because we had April snows. <laughs> right. And, I, and you know, appropriately, I mean, not here in San Francisco. In San Francisco, it's the same temperature entire year round. And we like to pretend that it's not um, so other people don't get angry at us. But, uh, and appropriately, I mean, appropriately for this episode, uh, we'll be talking about moms and motherhood. Uh, so um, the day that this episode comes out, which... Uh, should be May 13th? 14th? 14th? Uh, Monday, May 14th will be yep, the day after right. Mother's Day, I believe. Yeah. So if you're if that's news to you, like if you if you just like sat bolt upright and you're like, oh no, I forgot to call my mom. We you just like put this podcast on pause, leave a voicemail for your busy working mom, and you know we'll get get right back to it. My mom, or be I think... a slightly bad child and text her like I do. Oh yeah, text her. Yeah, I think I try to remember Mother's Day, but I think my mother appreciates the gesture, but she's always like confused as to what to do with a sentiment. Like <laughs> it's sort of like thank you for wishing me a happy Mother's Day, and like. We're kind of both aware that it's like, like a fake holiday that like, like you don't, like I live so far away. Like I'm not, I can't take my mom out for like a nice steak dinner. Is that weird? No. To take her out for a steak dinner? No. I mean, no, it's not weird. Obviously not weird. No. Um, I think brunch is usually the like classic. Uh, um, but... the, the feminization of brunch. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, I mean, no, I'm I'm kind of in the same, not the exact same boat, but like you know, as as I've probably mentioned before, I um, grew up with divorced parents, and I was uh, my dad had most custody of me. Um, I mostly was raised with my dad, though I saw my mom, you know, for visitations and stuff. Um, and so, like, there were not very many Mother's Days that I spent with her. And as I've gotten older, like, it's it's become increasingly uh, it's felt increasingly performative to try and do some big mother's day thing that's just not what our relationship is yeah. which is why you know i'll send a card if i think of it i'll text her like a lot you of know. like flower stuff popping up around now yeah uh. um so i don't know this i think i think this will be an interesting episode in part because i think neither of us has a lot of um a lot of the sort of like over the top sentimentality that is mm -hmm. ascribed to mothers and motherhood. We also um, only have one mom. Uh, we don't have two or more. So okay. you know we. <laughs> I mean we we have one mom. We don't have zero moms. We have or... two moms between us. I want to make this very clear. We, have, we do have two moms. <laughs> we do have okay right. We each have our allotted one mom, but we're not like. We don't have, like, an overabundance of moms to draw upon. Or okay. an underabundance <laughs> of moms to draw upon. 
Okay. <laughs> I think that's fine. My point was probably more interesting, but you do you. Okay. Um, which I think, like, what... Okay, you could talk about numbers of moms. You are right. Families have varying numbers of moms. Right. Especially I'm... if you start counting step-parents. Um, oh, yeah, but, you're right. Uh, <laughs> Not to get down. Go down that ra- that other rabbit hole. But um, I was more thinking about, I think, you know, every Mother's Day, it seems like people are posting on Facebook or posting on Instagram, you know, pictures of their mother. And they'll be like, you know, thank you to this angel on earth. To this one angel has on earth. sacrificed literally everything for me and is the most wonderful, beautiful, amazing woman I've ever known. And I understand that, like, that comes from a place of truth for a lot of people um Mm -hmm. but i also think it's this very um we devalue like women and mothers so much year round and then like we're taught to sort of performatively talk about how wonderful and excellent they are one day Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to devalue them year round in in meaningful ways like i'm sorry like talking about how wonderful and great your mom is is not the same as like Moms having, you know, free childcare, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the things that are actually, I think, really important. Um, and I, th- I think Mother's Day, in a way, like, can get a little bit because it's such a sen- it becomes such a sentimental holiday. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. it distracts from um, the actual situation of sort of mothers. <laughs> okay, um, I I look confused because I do agree with you that uh, like we devalue the mother's work in basically every way you can possibly devalue something. Um, but it, it does seem like, like this is kind of like, un, I don't know, like unconnected to the act of like this performative, uh, truthful, but also performative, like outpouring of emotion with regards to mothers. Like uh, just, just because your average Jane isn't, you know, isn't, responsible for that or like like when when someone does that on mother's day shows appreciation for mother you're kind of saying that like they should be showing or be more cognizant of what their mother has done the other 364 days i mean it's not so much that as i'm thinking more about like mother's day as a capitalist enterprise oh yeah Okay, okay so like it's it's not so much that people you know, like, it's good to have a day where you, like, talk about how great your mom is if you had a great mom. Um, again, no one is obligated to have a great relationship with their mom. Mm-hmm. But if you do, cool. Um, and, but I think, like, I mean, and this is, like, all holidays, so blah, 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 blah. But I, I think with Mother's Day, it becomes interesting to me because of the the extreme sort of gender dynamics um, where we, you know, money, like the way that you show appreciation for your mother is you buy her things, you get her cards, you get her flowers, um, you use different products, you use a hashtag on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You and... buy a pink mercy skin in Overwatch. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so the, the um, Mother's Day becomes sort of part of this like capitalist system and it is that capitalist system that is part of the de- devaluation of mothers, mm-hmm. like, year-round. Um, so it's and, not, I'm not, like, laying the blame on individuals or anything. Like, right. I think individuals should tell their moms they love them as much as they want to. <laughs> um, but I think, I think like, Mother's Day as an institution, like, the way that the language around it happens, the way that um, the the attitudes, I just feel like it's it's... There are things about it that feel insidious to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, and, you know, okay. And one thing that's kind of always threw me for a loop was that Father's Day is not the week after Mother's Day. It's like an entire month after Mother's Day. And, like, what do you get your dad? You get your dad, like, expensive. Sh- like, the Father's Day gifts. Okay. I bet there's a think piece about this somewhere where, like, the traditional Father's Day gifts are, like, 10 times more expensive than like traditional Mother's Day gifts. It's like, right? Right? I don't know what traditional Mother's Day gifts are, honestly. I mean, I guess like maybe the thing that would be expensive would be jewelry, right? 
Okay, I, um, I was thinking like, I but, kind of thinking like flowers and chocolate, which is weird because that's identical to what like Valentine's Day gifts are. Yeah, that's a whole other thing to unpack um, there. Uh, and then, and then <laughs> Father's Day stuff is like, you know, it's like get him steaks and drills. I don't know. I don't understand why yeah, drills I mean, it's like show power up so tools, often. Grills, very, but I mean, like you are supposed to buy your mom. I mean, power supposed tool. to like, yeah. You th- there there is messaging around purchasing gifts for your mother beyond mm-hmm. like flowers is sort of like the basic gift. Oh yeah, okay. And so you know, but it could be flowers and diamonds, or if you want to go big, or diamonds. chocolates, or uh-huh. you know, a scarf, or um, I I think a like nice coat. It, yeah, I mean, but but again, it's it's sort of part of the very intense gendered partitioning of our economy or whatever as well. I don't know if yeah, I said yeah. that correctly. But, like, you know, mm-hmm. these are male purchases and these are female purchases and, like... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is... Uh... Men's stuff is often useful. Like, sorry, a grill <laughs> is useful. Power tools are useful. Well, Diamond okay, necklace hold on. is not very useful. Okay, it's true. Relatively... A drill is more useful than a diamond necklace, but you will not put a hole through your foot with a diamond necklace. I mean, that is a good point. Like, I don't understand. Okay, so this is this is like going all off base, but power tools are just like, why would you, I don't know. Like, I just feel like a lot of the people I know in my life are are nowhere near crafty enough to like, be I mean, able some things are not like it's not hard to use a drill i guess so i mean i just feel like i would just get up to all sorts of mischief with a drill i mean did you not take shop in high school or middle school i, did, I mean i did and you know i learned how to use a drill press and like a planer and like whatever but but those and like you know and it was just funny because we got like a circular saw to like help furnish the basement back at home um and it was mm-hmm. like me my mom and my brother hilariously Okay, um, well, like, a saw is a whole different case, because that's, like, a spinning blade. Yeah. Like, that's scary. That's easily dangerous. But I feel like a drill. Drill's I guess fine. So. You hold yeah, it's it. Like Something that you hold and the dangerous part is pointed away from you. Okay, but that applies literally. What What do you hold where the dangerous part is pointed <laughs> at you? Like, a fork? Well, I guess, I mean... While you're eating? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, spe- I'm speaking. I'm so glad I got the this gun that points at my this, face. This does not extend elsewhere. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, okay. none of this. We need to save this for our Father's Day episode. Okay. I was trying to decide whether I wanted to bring up John Mayer's song during this episode or Father's no. Day episode. Father's Day. I mean, it's not really about either mothers or fathers. Well, no, it's, it's about, about daughters. daughters. Yes, famously, famously, it's about daughters. So I'll I'll just I'll just put I'll just put that in the in the bin. In All right, mothers, bin. mothers, uh, give me your give me your best shot. Marvel mothers, top ten Marvel mothers. Okay, I still want to talk about mothers conceptually. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, let's move back. To... <laughs> uh. <laughs> sorry, I... let's move back to mothers. Let's take a take a step back. Okay. Because, you know, oh. we're both equally culpable and not, it's definitely not just me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be useful to talk about, like, what motherhood does in in media um, and sort of the different, I feel like, like, you, I feel like we can very basically kind of, like, um, schematize it into the good mom, bad mom dichotomy. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a movie called that. Bad Moms? Probably. There is a movie called Bad Moms. Okay. Um, But my point being, like, I feel like, um, you know, media is about sort of enforcing these particular images of what motherhood is or what it shouldn't be, what it isn't. Um, And, like, the the images of motherhood, right, that have been created by media – you know, going as far back at least as, you know, housewives of 50s sitcoms mm-hmm. um, is a very particular kind of, you know, feminine, domestic, um, uh, white, <laughs> um, 
often like I feel like the new sort of thing is like mothers know best um so like fathers are kind of like dumb and they're kind of doofuses but like women ultimately are the ones who can like run the household and do everything because they they have all that responsibility because they're just the best at it like they're just best at cleaning Mm, and taking care of children and doing everything all the time right it's it's a kind of this weird like girl power reclamation of like the like we you have like the Flintstones, Jetsons, Simpsons kind of sitcom like obviously all cartoons, but um, because I'm that's what I'm familiar with. But where you have the mother kind of right doing all this domestic stuff, and then you kind of have this like weird self aware reversal, or like non reversal where it's like the mom actually is kind of smart, intelligent, and capable, and like but she. Uh, you know, she's, like, the, has the upper hand in the relationship to a certain degree, but, like, then it, the still kind of does the housework, looks after kids, and, like, but she's, like, also kicks ass while doing it, or if called upon, but, like, so, like, we have these, we fall back into these gendered roles, um, except, like, now it's just sort of, like, this, uh, you know, wink at, like, Oh, but like you know, she she can also fix the car or you know repair right. the station. Right, or she can you know yell at a at a bad landlord, or she can, um, you know, defend her son against her son's bully. Um, mm-hmm. But like the women's sort of intelligence or brilliance or whatever is still always sort of um, kept to the domestic sphere, which wouldn't be a problem if you know in the occasional thing like women of course there are do display brilliance in the domestic sphere but they display mm-hmm. brilliance elsewhere as well um and it yeah. feels like you know women who are 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 fun and witty and um intelligent and who are mothers in media like all of that goes into the mothering and the wifing and mm-hmm. <laughs> none of it can go into anything else yeah, what what is fascinating to me is, um, I mean, if we, especially if we look at like kind of these staples, like the the Simpsons or something, where Homer is like irredeemably the like or is the dumbest man alive. Like it's like kind of kind of the conceit of the show, um, where and that's not necessarily and the show has struggles to sort of say like why is Marge okay with being like the wife of a mother, like this kind of relatively thankless task and what we kind of end up with is that uh like women are good at caring for others and that we actually have this weird we have elevated the fact that uh being that needing to be cared for is now for some reason also this opposite virtue like Mm -hmm. you have the the mother's good at caring the husband or the father is good at like requiring care and that's not a that's that's actually in a positive that's in the plus column like there's this does that make sense like yeah i I mean i think in a way it's this weird it's this weird heterosexual fantasy right um on the part for for a man right the fantasy is i don't have to do anything i can be you know sort of lazy and just kind of pursue my own weird shit and um you know i have this amazing competent wife who can take care of everything and mm-hmm. keep everything in charge and like usually the thing about these men is like they're lazy and they're kind of weird and useless but you know they're they have big hearts they're very sweet they're very like loving um and that's and, their like one contribution is that to, <laughs> to the marriage i guess well and, and um, they like bring the money in and like they bring they, money right um and so like i think then the the reverse right is like um <laughs> i guess like as as women like you know we can think like well you know would it be so bad to end up in a marriage with somebody who like you know they're kind of useless and lazy and they make me do all the work because they're not good at any of it but at least you know they care they're a nice person they're not violent they're not angry um Mm -hmm. they're just sort of like a child Um, right they're like a child but they they're capable of reciprocity right like to to this kind of like ex- limited extent like they they are aware they do not have this like weird aphasia when it comes to like the care you exhibit for them like or they might not have it 100% of the time yeah 
like they're capable of occasionally recognizing the work, the emotional and physical work you do for them. Right. And again, and that's like Mother's Day, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? And then Mother's Day comes around and dad makes a, uh, what's the, you know, like makes a bad brunch, but he brings it to her in bed with a flower or whatever. And right. A wilted flower. It's with the like thought one that counts because it shows that he cares and he does appreciate her one day, one morning. Right. Um, and if there's a diamond involved, then all the better, because as we know, women love nothing more than diamonds, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've n- I actually have never seen diamonds in the context of Mother's Day. It's just I feel like, like I've seen like commercials for like department stores or like jewelry stores where it's like uh, get your encouraging. M- basically, it's like it's encouraging husbands to get their wives jewelry right. for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. I don't think children are expected to buy their parents <laughs> diamonds. Okay. All right. Yeah. And um, I mean, and it's, it's funny, just like we're talking about, um, I mean, we're, we're talking about motherhood in so far in the context of like the wife and the husband, uh, just because, you know, the, the idea of like this platonic, like once you become a family, you obviously, quote unquote, obviously there are kids involved. Um, and I think good moms, bad moms, I, I sort of returning to this topic you said earlier is that uh bad moms cannot exist in fiction or like or or our kind of like popular fiction does not i mean i don't know i mean yeah i think i think um probably the most common form of a bad mom in sort of popular culture is the absent mom right it's the mm-hmm. mom who took off it's the mom who can't be counted on it's the mom who is not reliable and isn't really in the picture and that's the bad mom like i don't know this is like the bad mom on veronica mars or the bad mom on shameless or whatever it's like these these women who can't do um who cannot devote themselves to their family and just bail and that's like um the bad mom Mm -hmm. the bad mom is i mean and in these examples are they do they bail like i'm thinking of like the business mom right the like Mm. oh like the latchkey kid like this idea of like you have uh but it sounds like maybe in in your examples these are like kind of slightly different i mean yeah these are more like flighty moms i see i see um but i think you're right like but the thing with the business mom right is the business mom learns like the business mom kind of in the in the uh it's the christmas what, special. what are we talking about the christmas special right like the the redemption of learning about the power of love and family mm-hmm. um um and i just feel like the the absent mom is the the mother who will always be the bad mom i think we can have bad mom stories but we have to know deep down that they're good mm-hmm. and that can never be true for the absent mother figure um, I see. In media. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, like, it seems like this, like, bad mothers, like, you, it's very difficult to have a sustained, or, like, you don't see a lot of narratives um, where you have a bad mother and the bad mother doesn't become ultimately deep down inside a, a good mother, or, like, just, like, kind of self destructs in a weird way of just sort of, like, irredeemable, like, this, this mother. Like this woman has rejected the, like if you if you are not a mom, then you are nothing. Yeah, like, I mean, like the the rejection of motherhood is pretty much seen as, um, universally an unacceptable choice. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of deadbeat dads in in TV shows, but the deadbeat dad is sort of this like stock figure. Whereas the bad absent mom feels like a deeper kind of evil. Um, mm-hmm. um, well, like the, yeah, the deadbeat it's... dad is like, you get that in a sitcom. The the bad mom, you get that in something a little more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Like if we look at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we have Jake Peralta, who's like, whose dad is like pretty awful. I mean, right, he's we, the we deadbeat have... dad. Yeah, he doesn't show dead... up. He's not around. Right. We have deadbeat dads, and deadbeat dads are still allowed kind of their own yeah, I mean, interiority like, even, that, like, bad bad moms are kind of just, like, really rotten. Like, they, like, you know, 
if they cannot take care for, for it, of a child, then, like, you know, what can you expect them to be able to take care of? Which is kind of wild, because taking care of a child is, like, one of the most giant things in the world, other than taking care of a pet or something. Right. And and the deadbeat dad is redeemed when, or maybe not redeemed, but, like, you know, Jake Peralta or Nick Miller, whoever, with his deadbeat dad in the sitcom, like, you know, seeing these, like, momentary sparks of affection is kind of, like all it takes to be like well you know he loved me at least um Mm -hmm. or like you know he he didn't do right by me but like there's the condemnation of him as a um like fucked up person um in the way that um it's sort of like their loss you know it's like their loss whereas i feel like with the the absent mother or the bad mother um it's it's i don't know it's like pathological like there's something wrong mm-hmm. with them. They, they um, are, you know, hurting their children in these really problematic ways. If they do this, um, you know, usually there are a lot of other things associated. So like, you know, drug use, promiscuity, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, joblessness, moving around, um, and so I think I don't know. I, I feel like there's just like more of a a stigma around that image um Mm -hmm. because it's like more uh uh taboo in our society to be a bad mom than to be a bad dad absolutely Um, yeah there there is like like you said like in these like i you know quote unquote i've reunited with my deadbeat dad it's like you like it's like this moment that like oh we've at least at least he cares about me or he like he's learning about his mistakes um and you kind of have this like complicated like oh there's been like you know 20 year 20 plus years of neglect and of neglect at best but like at least uh now we've recognized it and like you like we've almost i i can actually find it very hard to just sort of name of a similar storyline where a mother is involved just because um it's kind of like quote unquote like too serious like people mm-hmm. like kind of like joke about like oh daddy issues whatever but this idea like of having a bad mother um sort of like has like cuts you open in a way that's like a little too raw um to be shown or something right like this mm-hmm. it's like there's there's no flippant way to be like like it's it's weird i mean it's weird and also makes sense why but like there is like you've been a bad dad to me for like my entire childhood but i forgive you but there's no like you've been a bad mom to me while i was a child but i still forgive you like there's not um there's not like like you said you know there usually it's not just it's like this whole package kind of deal like there's something pathological there's something like at a core wrong with them uh, for right. being unable to offer this um whatever right i mean and like people don't like to let i mean i know this is like a basic observation but like people don't like women to be complicated and difficult and um contradictory and don't like for women to not be like you know good and pliable all the time i don't know i think about like something like mad men you know mm-hmm hugely popular show whatever um and you sort of have this central couple of don draper and his wife betty draper and um don is sort of your like typical um you know brings home the bacon doesn't worry about emotional issues um blah 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 dad and then the mom is sort of your housewife you know who sort of um takes care of everything and you know it's the 60s so it's kind of like people do bad parenting stuff, but it's all kind of in good fun. They don't know better. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as the show develops, like, the hatred that viewers felt for Betty, um, and, like, don't get me wrong, Betty is not a pleasant person. Like, Betty is extremely mean at times. She can be cruel. She can be, um, like, a very bad parent, a really uh, terrible person to people she knows. Um but, like, the way that people fixated on Betty as sort of this unique, uniquely horrible character when like Don Draper was right there, or... right there with her, like, 
cheating on her, um, you know, being at least low-key abusive toward women in his life, um, just being an all-around, you know, dickhead to so many people. <laughs> um, and, and really, it's this, uh, this allowance that we give toward men to be complicated in all these um all these different ways to like have all this interiority whereas for women you know you're a bad mom you're a bad mom like sorry it's over for you Mm -hmm. i mean that's very accurate i think like i'm i'm trying to i feel like women are i mean it's it's this like very popular thing that happens like over and over again is that women get um really get a get like a huge percentage of like the hate in any right. given franchise right i guess the other one i'm thinking about is um breaking bad which was a similar thing where everyone was like everyone hated skylar um when walt was literally literally making and selling meth like right yeah but like in a in a fun way though but in fun, a fun way fun uh, it's, it's it had a fun color i mean i i'm kind of like to to sort of bring this forward um into our our special specific topic hour unless you mm-hmm. wanted to continue i was just no, sort no, of no, thinking I think it was good yeah i mean i think you're what you were talking about reminds me of uh game of thrones and how kind of uh both daenerys and catelyn kind of or daenerys especially gets like a huge amount of hate um and like i i don't know well okay really? you're <laughs> i felt like well okay and well Sansa mostly but, I mean but... Catelyn is one of the most hated characters because she was mean to Jon Snow one time mm-hmm. yeah like I mean let's I mean let's start I think we can start there because I think yeah. I was gonna say like Daenerys and Catelyn are kind of the two um... so in general female characters in Game of Thrones are just not really well liked across the board um Daenerys is actually a fan fav- favorite though I think she's held to unfair standards um Mm -hmm. and has like become increasingly less of a favorite with people um but yeah so let's let's start let's do moms of thrones (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah so i we can start with catelyn um because i love catelyn i think she's yeah let's start with catelyn a fabulous character the show does not do justice to her she's amazing in the books um and the actress michelle fairley she's so good I just saw her in a screening of um, uh, Julius Caesar, um, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, and she played Cassius, and she was so good. Anyway, wow. side note. Um, <laughs> but That's Catelyn. Cool. So Catelyn Stark, right? Um, she is the – I mean, she's probably sort of like the good mom of the show. Like, mm-hmm. if there is a good mom on the show, it's it's – um Catelyn in that you know she really she's a very traditional kind of woman her life revolves around her family her children um you know she um her her death ultimately comes after the death of her oldest son and she watches him die and it's too much for her right um Mm -hmm. and so Catelyn is sort of this um this figure of you know love and comfort and Um, You know, all of her children think of her very fondly, but even so, and this is, like, one of the things I'll credit George R. R. Martin with, is, like, he lets his female characters be really complex, um, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, Catelyn does have this, like, relationship with Jon Snow where she never treated him all that well. And you'll get differing opinions based on, you know, the books and the show, like, what people think her treatment of him was. My understanding is that it was mostly just cold. Um, except for after Bran fell when she snapped at him that she wished he had died and not Bran yeah. or she, he had fallen or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But like my, my understanding was definitely that she mostly just kind of kept her distance and was cold from him, um, which isn't good. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but it's also not like the worst. Right. Um, yeah. So what am I trying to say here? Um, yeah, so I guess Catelyn becomes this very interesting, like, good good mother figure that still has complexity and that still, um, you know, makes mistakes and, um, you know, ends up, uh, you know, in some very, like, morally complicated situations and 
because she's not a straightforward villain or hero, um, people really, really hated her. Like, really extraordinarily hated her. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that's Jon Snow's a fan favorite character. So people are like, oh, she was so mean to Jon Snow. What a horrible bitch. She should die. Well, congrats, she did. But... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, like, I think because the show doesn't clearly flag for you, like this is a bad person or like this is a good person like mm-hmm. Catelyn is just a really complex actual person um or, or at least it it was part it was she was part of the show when the show was not necessarily flagging those things as hard as it the show eventually appears to be doing now right yeah well wait well i, I mean it wasn't I, flagging it for Catelyn is what i'm saying oh i see i see okay yeah so like i guess what i'm saying is like I feel like the extraordinary amount of hate for Catelyn has to do with the fact that people didn't know what to do with her. Mm, um, I see. Yeah. And so she became this this um, good mom who couldn't actually be a really good mom because she had this thing with Jon Snow and mm-hmm. she made mistakes or whatever. Um, so yeah. she didn't fit this ideal of the good mom, but she also wasn't clearly the sort of like villainous bad mom. Right. Um, she wasn't. Um, well, she wasn't the mom from Tangled. Right, exactly. Right, who, like, legitimately, like, kills a couple people over the course of the movie. Right. Um, and so then you compare that to something like Catelyn, or, sorry, something like Cersei, who, I mean, also is a very, like, fiercely devoted mom. There's some really great comparisons between uh, Catelyn and Cersei in terms of their love for their children. Um, mm-hmm. But Cersei's this very, like, deeply devoted mom. Her her life really is around her her children and her family in a very similar way but because mm-hmm. she's so clearly flagged as a villain um from pretty early on yeah. um like we accept her um I, I feel like it's it's easier to accept her in a way right like mm-hmm. it's easier to sort of be like okay she's she is a i mean i don't even know if she's a good mother like i mean what's, what's all three of her kids are now dead and she kind of was involved in some of that. <laughs> I mean, like, she, she, I mean, what's a good, but like, she obviously was a bit overindulgent with Joffrey. Um, yeah. And with Tommen, blowing up the sept was clearly, like, not the best thing she ever did for his mental health. Right. Um, and but, it, mean, she seems I like she was good to Marcella, but Marcella got sent away, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Cersei is, like, a very interesting example in Game of Thrones because she. Um, Cersei kind of places at the front and center. Like she makes no effort to hide from Jamie that like what she does almost you know a lot of the times what she does she does for her children and like mm-hmm. part of this is because there is this prophecy where she's like they will all die like you know she's just like I gotta make sure they get, they stay alive or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Is that that is part of the prophecy right? Like yeah. All of her yeah that um, her children will die. So she. And, like, she clearly... I mean, it's it's interesting because she's, like, not... Despite having three kids that she, like, vocally talks about, like, uh, loving and, like, treating and, like, perhaps overindulging or whatever, um, it feels like conversations I've had about Cersei almost never touch upon uh, her motherhood, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is, like, kind of fascinating. Um, and maybe partially due to the framing of the show... Yeah, it could be part partly that, um, and it may and, be I because mean, Cersei's like Cersei's main. So like Catelyn, like really her role is she's the mother. Like she, that's what she mm-hmm. is. Um, in the in the books in the show, she's the mother figure. Um, Cersei, I mean she's the she's the evil queen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and we we do not we don't get any, you know, scenes of Cersei with Tommen or just we don't really get any we, like we do get a few, but yeah. Um, there's uh-huh. one really moving scene. I don't think you watched season two, but there's one really great scene at the end of season two um, during the Battle of Blackwater where she thinks that Stannis is going to win and that they'll be stormed, like the castle will be stormed and, you know, she'll be taken prisoner and, like, maybe her children will be killed. She doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the last time the castle was taken, yeah. um, Elia Martell was, you know, murdered and raped, as were her children. Um, yeah. So... Uh, Cersei like is about to like she's holding Tom in and she's like about to like give him poison and then take poison herself um, when she learns that 
they won yay like (laughs) yeah so um but it, it is like a very moving scene um and so i think there are these moments that like do really center her motherhood but it's also true like as her children have died and as her sort of ambitions have spun out of control um like that hasn't been as central to her um so now we're sort of at the point where like she's not a mother well she's maybe a mother to be if we believe she's pregnant um oh yeah Mm -hmm. but like at least for a little while there's this span of episodes where like her children are all dead and like the thing that she had been working toward like her children and preserving this like legacy for her children is it's impossible now so what what do they Mm do um and what what does that make her and i think it really does make her um reach sort of the height of her villainy yeah like especially i mean i think there i mean especially since that was that was like one of the points where she was like they killed marcella like what do i you know and like for lack of another thing to focus on it seemed like she was just like i'm going to avenge her death like this is like like yeah like this is it's not necessarily a long-term goal, but it's a, it's a goal I can focus on. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I th- she very brutally does avenge yeah, all and she, stuff. And she succeeds. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting that um, we have a character so kind of, in a way, so driven by fear, uh, fear for her children, mm-hmm. um, but who, who isn't, I th- yeah, I, I think sort of you, you do give credit to George R. R. Martin for creating this character, for creating her, or like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Don't and know. also, Lena Headey is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I just like constantly, I think all the actors are great, but like she's <laughs> so, so good as Cersei. Like I really think yeah, she's phenomenal. No. Um, and she like manages to convey so much in just like a look. I still, mm-hmm. like, I still think about the scene where she's sort of standing there waiting for the ship to come back that Marcella's supposed to be on with Jamie. Yeah. And she's, like, looking, and she looks, like, you know, happy and excited. And then she spots the, um, sort of, like, the shroud. Yeah. And she, like, realizes, and you just see her face. It's this brilliant bit of acting. Like, it yeah, really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so, like, third Mom of Thrones, and then we can move on to something else. <laughs> um, Daenerys. Right. So, Daenerys is... Um, you know her her she's nicknamed mother she's misa to um you know a lot of the people that she um frees potentially subjugates kind of depends how you're how you're reading it yeah um, how, how you're feeling about her yeah and then um you know she also you know her title is mother of dragons um i think in the book there's this wonderful line where she um she's like mother of dragons mother of monsters um, where she's sort of accepting that, like, the the dragons are, um, kind of going, go, like hard to, harder to control. Yes, or like exactly that. And she accept, like, she accepts, like, she's like, they're still my children, which is a very Cersei thing to do, really, if we think mm-hmm. about it. Um, but I mean, that yeah, I think does that. I assume that that line occurs after she like unshackles them from the pyramid or is that so it's when um it's it's when at the end of uh dance with dragons i think this is when it is it's when um she's you know she's in the pit and then um the fighting pits or whatever and then oh i see yeah they like turn on her and drogon like comes and gets her and she um like flies off flies and is out. like left in a field with drogon and i think that's the part where she's because like drogon had like come and he'd like killed a bunch of people <laughs> yeah, yeah to save her um and I think she just, like, to me, that's kind of the moment, because I, I am a believer that Daenerys is, like, on an antagonistic course at this point. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the moment where she, like, accepts, like, she accepts the collateral damage okay. that her own power and the existence of her dragons has. Okay, yeah. Um, but, so I was, uh, was going to mention that in the Game of Thrones tarot deck, which exists and is a thing i purchased because of course i did um daenerys is the empress um which is the the key meanings of which are the matriarch fertility creativity authority abundance and peace um and the little description of it says that she embodies the qualities of the warrior mother who fiercely nurtures and protects what is hers i think that's Mm -hmm. sort of true 
I think it's an interesting choice, though. I think, um, you know, that could also be Cersei. That could also be Catelyn. Like, the worry mother protects, fiercely protects, you know, her own. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do think it's, like, interesting to, to associate Daenerys with um, fertility, abundance, and peace. They're the first words I would think of. <laughs> um, right. But... So, like- Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, so her, yeah, like, her relationship to, like, what mothering means, like, she has, she has the dragons, which are, like, famously, I mean, not, I don't know, famously, but, like, they do eat each kid, maybe yeah. multiple. Um, and then she's also, I mean, it's, it's interesting because she also kind of embodies, like, the absent mother, in a sense, right? Like, she... Um, does lock them up for a while because she doesn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And she is kind of just kind of leaving the realm of Essos despite... Right, she like, just she leaves Marine. She just leaves it. <laughs> right, yeah. She, she claims the title of mother by freeing all the slaves. She struggles with the concept of, like, how to stabilize this region uh, in the long term without, like literally and she flirts with the idea of like literally going out and just like burning down the rest of the country um and then she just sort of like you know what i cannot you know this is i just have to go like yeah. i have to go yeah. um and you right know, you do, do wonder like all those people left behind who called her misa like how are they feeling <laughs> right and like explicitly i mean the 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 show explicitly says like as soon as she leaves like there's not going to be a lot to stop them being reconquered mm-hmm. right like there i think maybe the dothraki no like she takes the dothraki takes, she takes i don't know who she, i feel like the only person she leaves behind is dario and i don't think he, he's like gonna be great at managing things i mean like at best maybe you could count him as three people because of his two knives <laughs> that he like names but like that's it like that's that's you're not gonna be able to stop like a like an invading force um other than the threat that she'll, like, come back and, like, re-burn down Marine and, like, re-crucify all the masters she finds. Right. Um, which will probably, I mean, which, granted, will probably work, but, yeah, like, she does not, um, and I think this is interesting, like, this, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, this crusading, like, um, I've done this for you and now you're on your own, or, like, this... I don't know, I mean, like, as, as Danny is being set up in this antagonistic role, do we, do we read the fact that she is, like, not a mom? Or, like, she's, or, like, she's claimed the title of mother without necessarily, like, quote-unquote, like, deserving of it. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it, part of it has to do with, like, she is not necessarily desert, but, like, I think she's using the title of mother to, to justify, right, what she does. Um, and there's something more compelling about being a mother than there is about being just a queen. She's not a conquering queen. She's a mother. Mm -hmm. Like she wants to be a mother to these people, which implies nurturing, which implies, you know, taking care of. If she has to like burn some people to get there, well, you know, that's right. Which is part of the process. And there's this concept of like the, the mother bear, I guess is Mm -hmm. like, or I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of whether I'm trying to think of if there's, like, precedent for, like, your mother can treat you poorly, but she's still your mom. I'm not really sure there is one, though. I think there probably is, but I I don't, I don't know. And I think, like, the thing, I think the the question that is going to arise is, I think at this point, right, she's already chosen her dragon children over her people children, right? (laughs) Like, she has. Um simply by like letting them be free all the time and like possibly be killing people and eating people um mm-hmm. and Especially and like who, who will she ultimately defend right so the question is if as all the sort of like foreshadowing has suggested but which i hope isn't true but is possibly true you know if she gets pregnant with john's you know magical targaryen baby what you know where's that child gonna rank among her children mm-hmm. um yeah and I think that's, I, I mean, don't know. I just think, like, I really strongly believe that, like, Daenerys is not going to have three living dragons at the end of this. She's going to have zero living dragons. Okay, I was going to say, she already does not she already have three living dragons. But, she, uh, um, I mean, like, I think okay. they can't have dragons anymore. 
zero dragons. Yeah, I mean, there there is like a famous phrase in the books that like the world can't like this is not a world of dragons or something, right? right. Like I this. Mean, people look at it as like, okay, the White Walkers came back and that's bad and then the dragons came back and those are good no they're both they're both dangerous magic that's Scary. too much for the earth <laughs> um, what, whatever the world actually briefly i mean actually this is actually interesting because briefly let's uh you know your talk about daenerys possibly having john's baby um brings to mind like this idea of abortion as mm-hmm. or miscarriage rather um as a way to uh confer i guess confer the gentleness of motherhood without um complicating a future storyline with motherhood i guess or whatever like it's just sort of like if she becomes pregnant with john's child that's an excellent opportunity for her to like uh once again i mean it's true like she was pregnant before i mean yeah i guess she you know she famously um to grapple with this idea of like what what becoming a mother becoming a family you know quote unquote what all of this means um but a miscarriage slash abortion is a good way to just sort of be like well we don't have to like worry about this long term there's i want to be clear those are very different things okay sorry sorry i should not you know slash yeah like uh sorry miscarriage i i want to say miscarriage if daenerys had an abortion that would be wild i would (laughs) be so here for it but it would be wild that would actually be very interesting. Okay, let's not, let's, yeah, sorry. I'm not talking about abortion in this case. I'm talking about uh, miscarriages, um, unplanned. I mean, they're they're kind of, and I, sorry, I kind of hate myself for bringing this up, but famously, there's an online webcomic called Control-Alt-Delete. No. Where, <laughs> actually, I'm kind of surprised you're, you're familiar with this, Molly. Um, okay, anyways, so anyways, the, the, accumulation of one of the storylines is that uh, one of the characters becomes pregnant uh, but then suffers a miscarriage and a lot of and it's interesting because one person actually called this like far in advance of the actual event because he was like you have this like kind of goofy slice of life gamer comic um, and like it's a comic it's a it's a fundamental formula that is you know cannot pivot to being about a family yeah um therefore this woman's like for what like this woman's gonna like go through the motions i guess but the male author is going to um something will happen to the child and we will be able to return to the status quo um yeah actually that that do, sorry do you want to say anything else i mean, no that's it that's that it, reminds yeah. me of um Move, finally, moving away from Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That reminds me of um, On the Mindy Project, when, um, which, you know, is a sort of, like, romantic sitcom. Um, and Mindy, the, the character, got pregnant. Um, and it was really a question, like, how the show was going to deal with this. Um, because, you know, sitcoms have sort of notoriously not been able to handle the addition of babies. Um mm-hmm. And in this case, like, it really was our, you know, your main character. Um, and I I thought it was a really, really fascinating choice. Like, everything they did with the whole motherhood plot where um, she, she does have the baby and she's sort of engaged to the father, but he expects her to be a lot more of a um, stay-at-home mom. And she is much, you know, she wants to keep working. She's got a business she's running. Um, she, like basically is not sort of living up to this standard that he has in his head and so she leaves him um and Hmm. you know they they separate and you know co-parent the child but they aren't together um and so a lot a lot of the show was sort of dealing with that and sort of dealing with their different ideas of how to be parents um and i think a lot of people didn't like this it kind of uh it sort of shook apart the the like beautiful romantic story and just became this like really like heart-wrenching um like kind of too real drama at times um (laughs) Uh and i think part of it had to do with the schedule of the actor who played the father to be honest um okay and then like ultimately those two characters get together at the very end because they like have grown and they've learned and yay 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 but there's like two (laughs) years or whatever where they're not together and they're co-parenting this child um and they're you know, there were a lot of episodes after the first string of episodes where, you know, Mindy would be having her hijinks and, like, 
the baby wouldn't show up or like would be briefly mentioned and people would send mindy kaling who's the showrunner and the star would send her these like messages and tweets and stuff being like where's where's leo where's the baby what's happening like why isn't mindy looking after the baby um and she would get so mad she'd be like do people send these kind of messages to like dudes in sitcoms when they have babies like like this is Uh you know expecting it's a sitcom and expecting her sort of entire character to like stop revolving around you know her career and her love life and all these other Mm -hmm. things and now be entirely about her taking care of a baby um was just ridiculous to her which is funny on a meta level because explicitly like the mindy like she said you know in the character mindy also wants to continue exactly her business i mean this is funny just because it reminds me of um i feel like was it parks and recs uh was it the final season or is it like the second like a penultimate season where like leslie no has like triplets with i think that was in the final season in the final season and they like they famously just like Never show literally them. you see them like maybe once maybe there's like one time you see children and you're like oh they do exist and it's not <laughs> like this stress hallucination brought on by like poison chemicals by that like company that they that you know moved oh. in downtown um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean like honestly yeah i don't know i do I think mean, i guess that's sometimes the exception to the mother is like if the child can just kind of not be present you can pretend like you're not a bad mom according right, to yeah. the dictates of whatever right according to dictates of the frame um so I guess maybe we will have to have a second episode. Yeah, maybe, because we have got a lot more things we do. Sorry, that was Game of Thrones. I like Game of Thrones. That was Game of Thrones. But I think well, it's a really interesting... I'll also, when we do a father's episode, have to talk about Game of Thrones, because the worst dads of all time are in Game of Thrones. It's true. It's true. It's like, they're, they're only... I feel like the only way you could be, like, out bad, the dads on Game of Thrones, is, like, if you eat your own child while they are alive. Like, that's like, you know, and that's like spider dad level <laughs> of bad parenting or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm trying to decide whether I want to go and talk about Steven Universe, n- like, very, like, for, like, two and a half minutes now, or, like... Do you want to... You can, like, preview it, or we can just, like, get way deep into it first thing next time. Okay, yeah, I think... I think um Maybe we'll preview it. Maybe I'll I'll say Molly try to catch up on Steam Universe because there's some like mega spoilers. I don't I don't want to kill you with. But um, well, why don't you tell Hulu to get the fucking episodes on their stupid website? Okay, I can figure out. Okay, yeah, maybe there's a there's a second way. Wink. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, I mean I think Steam Universe is a fascinating show. Um, in regards to this, because we do have. I mean, it's interesting because we have, we're kind of working with this quote unquote, this trope of like the dead mom, absent mom, where Rose Quartz has like, you know, given up her corporeal form to forge Stephen anew. Um, But we also have this like uh, Pearl Amethyst incarnate, like all three of them struggling to like parent Stephen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Stephen, and Stephen himself, like over the course of the or the series, also has a lot of very complicated feelings about his mom and his like absent his like his mother where who like who he kind of is who he kind of is very weird you know very difficult to thread that needle um who he kind of is and like who has kind of abandoned him like he there it's like interesting seeing steven struggle with like this resentment that he kind of knows is unfounded um towards his mother for like not being there for him mm-hmm. um which i think is interesting mm-hmm. but um okay well i mean we'll um we don't want to want to blow out the budget we don't want to spend the special yeah. effects budget on a on like a two-hour episode this is not the infinity war of story <laughs> guts um so yeah. yeah so we'll come back with a part two next time for more mom talk for mom talk after Mother's Day 2, which comes a, exactly two weeks after the first Mother's Day. So we're very, we're in the clear there. Like, yeah. we really, whew, okay. Um, what well, have you quickly been up before to? we sign off, name one thing that you've been reading or listening to or watching. Oh, shoot. Uh, West, Westworld. Westworld? I've also, I've also read, um, I read a bunch of books. I've, I've, I'm catching up on Westworld. I think they're making some interesting decisions. 
Um, I think it's interesting, especially that I call the colonialism of the setting into more uh, detail. They kind of talk, like in the newest episode, they reference like there's not just Westworld, there's also like colonialist India world um, and like Japan world or something. So like Mm -hmm. there's clearly like a setting for like white, well, I don't know about Japan world, but like colonialist India world is very interesting because it's like, so explicitly like i'm a host and i or i'm like a white non i'm a white real person doing all these things to like non-real non-white people mm-hmm. anyways i also read two books um kind of actually about featuring mothers one called fever dream where a mother lies dying with uh, a child next to her who is not her her daughter who is not her son and talking to ourselves which is like a uh a novel from multiple viewpoints about a trucker who's dying of cancer, the mom and the and the son. Because kind of like in a more contemporary frame. Um, yep. So that's me. That. <laughs> um, I'll just mention one. Um, I just finished the book "I'll Be Gone in the Dark" by Michelle McNamara, which is the true crime um, book that she was writing when she died unexpectedly, and it was sort of finished up as much as possible from her notes by um her her sort of like researchers and her husband pat noswalt um what yeah uh and it's about the um about the search for the golden state killer um who is also known as the east area rapist the uh original night stalker and the visalia ransacker um and basically it was like this dude who like throughout california was committing these really really disturbing heinous crimes um and i think in the end he committed like at least 50 rapes and 10 or 12 murders um anyway they i i'm reading it because they just caught him actually um like last week or something Mm -hmm. uh using dna something it was Um, it was like a journalist right it was like a like a someone spent time like and managed to track him down and so i'm not entirely sure they haven't released a lot of details last i checked of like exactly what happened but it's the fact is that it's been a mix of like law enforcement and like amateur um researchers or detectives or journalists who Mm -hmm. have been um really involved in trying to track this guy down and the big move that a lot of them had started making was um uploading his dna profile to sites like ancestry.com um and what that meant was like if somebody matched with it um then that person would have been like it's very likely that person would have been uh a direct relative of him or him i suppose but or a direct relative oh, of him jesus um and I think I think it was using one of those type of websites that they ended up. I think they managed to get like two people came up who were like DNA results fuck? and then they, like figured it out via timelines and family and stuff who it was. And then they did they um, disclose to the people? I I don't I doubt it. Okay. Um. Okay. I mean. Okay. I mean that makes sense, but that's horrifying. I mean, um, I'm sure somebody knows because you know they're like brother or uncle or somebody was uh arrested but um you know they didn't tell anybody because they had to track down dna evidence from the actual guy um so they managed to get a dna sample from him from his trash ran it it matched it at least matched for the east area rapist and the um the original night stalker i don't know if it matched for the visalia ransacker or if they had dna for him i'm not sure um Uh but yeah, so he's now been arrested, and hopefully more details will be forthcoming. But they're now saying okay. this is, like, going to be the way that they find the Zodiac Killer. There are also some privacy issues involved as well. It's uh, all very complicated. I've... Yeah, I mean... Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's really... That's really something. Yeah. But so, so just so you know, if you're a criminal out there... Um, law enforcement is increasingly using things like like these commercial websites where you put your dna profile into them well not not even you know if you're a criminal i mean if you have a healthy (laughs) suspicion of law enforcement for some reason that's fair (laughs) um Uh. i mean i think i read this uh fascinating short story where you know um someone 
like a, an activist was getting got into like a driverless car, like a driverless Uber, basically, and was like, hey, like take me to my friend's house. And a place was like, hey, you know, I've noticed that the place you're going to has a high correlation with like people who are kind of uh, anti-government, like troublemakers. So I'm going to just casually drop you off at the police station for like a little bit of interrogation. And then you can be on your way. Don't worry about it. Doors are locked. Do not try to exit the car. So, like, the short story is, like, them trying to figure out how to, like, hijack the car to, like, let her go mm-hmm. before they show up at the police station, which is something I can totally see happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, it looks... I mean, in this case, it's, like, you know, location-based whatever, right. which is, like, even that is, like, maybe more benign than, like, hey, like, you've gotten to our car and we've noticed you've, you know, re- you know looked up rice cookers on the internet so we're going to drop you off at the police station. Do not exit the car. Um, yeah. Here's a $2 Uber trip credit uh, for the inconvenience or whatever, right? Like, anyways, I anyways, love love it. Love it. Sounds great. Uh, but it is really good they caught this guy. He's horrible. Oh, for sure. This guy <laughs> sounds horrible. Like, I think this is, this is like the, this guy, you know, absolutely pro this guy behind bars or underground for the mm-hmm. rest of his life so um anyway so it's a really it's an interesting book and i'm sure there'll be more um details about stuff i wish i wish she had lived to finish it i think it would have been really fascinating but yeah I mean, especially uh, given the denouement i guess yeah um all right well i think that's gonna be it we've gone a little long so next week or in two weeks tune in for more on yeah. mothers more um, on mothers. And until then, feel free to follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Molly Jean. That's the M O L L Y J E A N N E. And our official, um, the the podcast t- uh, Twitter is at Story Gets Cast. Alice. Uh, I oh yeah sorry I, <laughs> I'm um, Alice Lie on Twitter. Uh, that's A L O. I'm Alonculus, which is at. A L O N K U L O U S. Um, I do. Yeah, I've been checking the email uh, or our email in our uh, Twitter. So, like, if you do have a suggestion, if you're like, you know what, I don't want to hear anything else about moms, or if um, you have any moms you want us to definitely talk about. Oh yeah, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity. I mean, feel free to submit your own mom. It will be difficult because we probably don't know her that well, but. <laughs> You could try. Uh, given I the mean, the circle of our listeners, probably we know a couple of their moms. Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, like, or if your name is like Sasha Obama or something, then we could probably we could probably say uh, something. Say some say something. Um, all right. So rate and subscribe. <laughs> like rate like subscribe. rate subscribe. Tell your friends. Um, tell your moms. Tell your moms. I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Lai, and stay hungry. Wow.